Our Bible reading comes from Luke 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their most inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name's Reuben. I'm one of the pastors here and I'm looking forward to uh, looking at this passage together in a bit more detail. But I was thinking back this week, it's nearly 20 years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Australia was swept by a real life fairy tale. Do you remember when a royal prince fell in love with an Australian commoner? Uh, it was Prince Frederick of Denmark. He came over to Australia for the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and he met a woman called Mary Donaldson. Uh, and in a world of royalty and privilege, Mary was, was a commoner. She was a nobody, really. Uh, just an ordinary girl from Tassie, born and raised in Hobart. We'll forgive her for that. Until, all of a sudden, she stole the heart of a prince. And everything changed. They were married in 2004. She moved to Denmark. She learned a whole new language. And she took up her role as the crown princess of Denmark. Now, I was only young at the time, but I remember the hype. It was, it was like something out of a dream or a fairy tale. What, why? Why was it so exciting? Well, that isn't really how the world usually works, is it? You know, there, there are powerful, privileged, influential people, and then there's the rest of us. And we're used to the idea that there's a divide between these groups. You know, I've seen this around the world. Uh, I've seen a fancy mansion in India 
with, with a 10-foot fence around it and, and a beggar sitting out the front gate. And I've seen a fancy skyscraper in Melbourne with a beggar sitting out the front doors. And, and that might be kind of normal for us, but I think we'd agree it's kind of a problem as well, isn't it? Because surely it's those wealthy, powerful people who actually have a chance to change the system and help the needy, and yet more often than not, they don't. Sometimes we feel like, well, the rich get richer and, and power just corrupts, and, and we start to wonder if there's anyone out there who actually has our back. Is there anyone who actually sees and cares? Is there someone who will act? Is there someone who might bring justice? Is there someone who will look out for the little people? For, for the single parent who's struggling to put food on the table? For the woman who won't get justice through the courts? For the refugee who still can't find work or friends? For the old lady who doesn't get visitors anymore? For the prisoner who made one stupid choice and is just wondering if he will ever get a second chance. For the everyday person just struggling, working their way through life with stresses at work and tensions at home and, and physical and mental health to deal with. Maybe that's why it was such a big deal when Prince Frederick whirled Mary away to his palace in Denmark. Because for a brief moment, we dared to believe that dreams do come true, that things actually could change. I guess that's kind of the appeal of a lottery ticket, isn't it? I mean, we know the odds are terrible, but what other hope do we have? Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you're wondering if anyone has your back. Maybe you're looking for a new start in 2023. Well, well then we are so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've come to church on Christmas Day. Because actually Christmas is one of those remarkable moments where things change dramatically, shockingly, in unexpected, glorious ways. And it's not just for one girl in Tassie, it's for the whole of Tassie, it's for the whole world, it's, it's for me, it's for you. And it's not just a shot in the dark like a lottery ticket, this is a sure thing. That's what we're going to think about for a few minutes together now. Let's go back to that first Christmas and discover what Christmas is really all about. And I think we'll see that it's about something much better than Santa and presents and parties, nice as those things are. We're going to go back and meet another girl called Mary. Uh, not Mary the commoner from Tassie, but Mary the commoner from Nazareth. And we're going to find out why Mary is so excited that she has just burst into song like a Disney movie. And we're going to find out how we might be able to share in her life-changing experience. The scene is set in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, that we just read before. Mary rushes to visit her relative Elizabeth. Why? Well, presumably to tell her the unbelievable thing that has just happened. Imagine, okay, imagine if you had to say this to your friend. Yeah, so an angel appeared to me. Uh, told me I was going to give birth to God's Son, the Saviour of the world. Oh, and he also said that um, he's going to cause me to become pregnant without being with any man. Um, I'm going to stay a virgin, but I'm going to be pregnant. 
Mary needs to talk to someone about this. But who's going to believe her? Are her family going to shun her when her bump starts showing? Who's going to share the joy and believe the miraculous? That seems to be why Mary rushes to Elizabeth. Because if you were here last week, you might remember something about Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were this old couple and they had been infertile their whole lives until God miraculously intervened. And now elderly Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, the prophet who would come before Jesus and prepare the way for him. Imagine that striking moment when these two women greet each other. Two miraculous pregnancies. There's, there's grey, wrinkly Elizabeth with a six-month belly. And there's this young girl, probably somewhere between 12 and 15 years old, pregnant without ever touching a man. What's happening in this remarkable story? There's, there's so much we could say and answer that question, but this morning we're just going to focus on Mary's song there in verses 46 to 55. We're going to see two things. What's happening? God is lifting up the humble and he's bringing down the proud. That's what we're going to look at. God is lifting up the humble and he is bringing down the proud. So first, God's lifting up the humble. Look, look at the people in our story. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth. They're not people of influence or wealth or privilege or education, and yet God has chosen them to bring about the most important event in human history. God's chosen King Jesus is coming into the world. He's going to rescue his people from sin. He's going to deal with evil, and he's going to establish a glorious kingdom. And God has chosen little Mary to give birth to that Savior. No wonder Mary explodes in praise to God. If you've got your Bible there, have a look in verse 46. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He's been mindful of my humble state. And then in verse 49, she says, He's the mighty one. In verse 50, he's, he's merciful. In verse 52, he's lifted up the humble. In verse 53, he's filled the hungry with good things. And verses 54 to 55, he's been faithful to his promises to help his people. This is the God we meet at Christmas time. Mary's not dumb. She knows how the world works. She knows where she sits on the pecking order. But now, God has burst into her life and he's blown her away. How, how caring he is, how kind he is, that he would use all his strength and power to help little people like Mary and like the little nation of Israel. Mary can't help but singing. This is better than winning the lottery. This is better than meeting Prince Charming. She has met a big God who loves the little people. I wonder if that fits with your picture of God. Do you assume that God is just like those other powerful, wealthy, privileged people who have lost touch with the common man? Do you assume that he's not interested in you 
because he would only want to associate with those who have it all together, those who are pretty good, pretty moral, who come to church every week, who haven't screwed up too badly. Well, the first Christmas blows those assumptions out of the water. Jesus came for, for sinners, for, for strugglers, for the forgotten. He came for me. He came for you. Please hear this today, dear friends. I want you to meet Mary's God. To the guilty, God overflows with mercy. To the hungry, God can fill you and satisfy you with His love. To the weak, God is strong to save you and help you. To the forgotten, God sees you. To the mistreated, God brings justice. To the lonely, God is always with you. To the screw-ups, God provides new beginnings. What do we have to do? There's a verse in the Bible, James 4 verse 10. It sums it up perfectly. It's incredibly simple. Here it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. God is lifting up the humble. But that's not all God is doing. Mary's song shows us that God is not only lifting up the humble, but he is bringing down the proud. That's our second point. God is bringing down the proud. Read verses 51 to 53 with me. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. See, Mary sees that God isn't just working in her own little life, but he is working in the world. He's working in history, in nations, in kingdoms. Jesus has come to do business on a global scale. And for some, his coming will not bring joy or blessing. I'm sorry, it will bring judgment and humiliation. Which does make sense, doesn't it? Right, if God sees and cares for the little people, then he must also see the evil in the world. And the corruption and the injustice. And the demonic powers that lie behind the scenes. He has to care about that too, right? And that might initially put a smile on our face. I mean, that's comforting to know God cares. He's bringing a kingdom of justice and righteousness. It's comforting to know that those proud, evil people will be brought low. Or is it? Well, it depends whether you're humble or proud. Who is it who God's bringing down? It's not ultimately about having power or money. That's not a crime. The heart of the problem is there in verse 51. Those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Those who are self-focused. Self-congratulatory. Those who feel self-sufficient. Self-made. Now, to be sure, it's easy for the powerful and the wealthy to feel proud and self-sufficient, but really, the sin of pride actually runs through the hearts of every one of us, doesn't it? 
Pride can be hard to identify, as Mary says. It hides in our inmost thoughts. So let me ask you a few questions, questions that I also ask myself. When you think about how you got to where you are today, do you mostly think about what you did, how hard you worked, how clever you are? Or are you quick to admit that everything really came from God? Your health, your intellect, your abilities, your opportunities, your perseverance. When you think about next year and how it's going to go, what are you trusting in? Your strength or God's strength for the weak? Are you putting your confidence in your own ability to, to try harder, to do better? New Year's resolutions? Or, or is your confidence in God's grace that he gives to struggling sinners? When you think about what would make you happy, do your dreams revolve around yourself? On being more liked? On being more self-confident? More successful? More financially secure? More influential? Or do you dream of being closer to God? More dependent on Him? More satisfied in him, less caught up in the fleeting pleasures and sins of this world. Well, if you're anything like me, um, the answer to those questions is not pretty. Maybe I'm not quite the humble underdog I like to think I am. Maybe we're actually quite wrapped up in ourselves. And when things go well, we're quick to pat ourselves on the back. And when things go bad, we're quick to feel sorry for ourselves. What can we do about this? What can we do about our pride? How can we deal with it? We can't. We can't, but Jesus Christ can. Only the humbling of Christ can humble us. Here's the back to front upside-down miracle of Christmas. That baby in Mary's womb, he's the one who made the universe at the beginning of all time. That baby born in the backwater town of Bethlehem and worshipped by farmhands is the Lord of all. And then in the, the ultimate display of humility, the eternal Son of God would die on the cross for us to save us from our God-denying, self-obsessed pride. The Most High God was brought low, was humiliated, so we could be lifted up. The one who was rich became poor so that we could be made rich. He became hungry so we could be fed. He was cut off so we could be adopted into God's family as his own children. It's only when we see that, when we see what Christ has done for us, that our, our pride is cured. Only the love and the beauty and the sacrifice and the humility of Christ can reorient us off ourselves to something that is infinitely greater. 
That's exactly what's happened to Mary here, isn't it? Really. Mary is just a wonderful example of what it looks like when God breaks into someone's life and amazes them with his grace. She's an example of what it looks like to really be a Christian. Uh, Don't mishear me there. I didn't say someone who's religious, who goes to church, who tries to be a good person. I said someone who's really a Christian. Let's just briefly see three things about Mary before we finish. Three things that help us see the amazing transformation and the freedom that comes when we put our faith in Jesus. First, notice Mary is humble. You know, she doesn't say to Elizabeth, yeah, actually, I'm pretty stoked that God has recognized my true potential. I mean, I kind of always knew I could be great if I just believed in myself and didn't let the haters hold me back. I guess... I guess God's really seen me for who I am, and it feels good to know that he's got my back. I guess he's seen my true potential, he believes in me, he's there to help me. Now Mary is flabbergasted that God would choose her. She can't stop mouthing the words, why me? Why me? When we discover that Jesus came to save us, do we say... Ah, yeah, I'm not surprised. I can see why God would want me. Or do we shake our heads and think, I think you've got the wrong person. I think this gift belongs to someone else. Which response describes you? There's amazing comfort knowing that God chose you, not because of what you've done, but in spite of it. That leads us beyond ourselves and our efforts to rest on his unconditional grace. Mary's humble. Second, Mary is focused on God. This really struck me in this passage. She is fixated on him. Uh, Look again at verses 46 to 47. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She says, my soul, my spirit. She's talking about the core of her being, everything that she is. My soul glorifies the Lord, magnifies, praises, worships Him. Here is the mark of a true Christian, of a maturing Christian. You are God-focused. More and more, you are learning to look beyond your own wants and needs beyond what God can do for you, to see and love God for who He is in Himself. Mary's song is beautiful because it's, it's completely God-focused. It's all about Him, isn't it? Just look at the start of every sentence there. He, 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 He's like this, He's done that. I mean, Mary's an incredibly important figure in this story, isn't she? But she realizes it's not actually about her. How liberating. This is the freedom of realizing that life isn't just all about me. It's pretty sobering to think that every week around the world, thousands of people attend church and they enjoy hearing about God's love and they seek His blessing in their life and yet they've never truly loved or worshipped God. 
They only love what they can get from Him. They love themselves, and they're quite happy to let God join in in loving them too, if He wants to. It's like the man standing at the antique car show beside his pride and joy, this beautiful, shiny Cadillac. And uh, you go up to him and you ask him, oh, how many seats has it got? And Oh yeah, how much can it tow? Okay, okay. How much fuel does it use? It's economical. Because you want to tow your caravan and take your three kids on a holiday. And that man is going to grow sad. Because you've missed the point. You are looking at this car for what it can offer you, what it can do for you. The man loves the car for who it is, for what it is. Mary is humbled by God. She's focused on God. Third, finally, Mary is rejoicing in God. Technically, she's, she's talking to Elizabeth in these verses. She's in a conversation with Elizabeth. But she can't help but sing when she thinks about what God is doing. That's what happens when we get a glimpse of what God is doing in Jesus. We rejoice. There's been a lot of singing here this morning. That's what we do. How else are we going to get it out? How good this is. It's not only Mary who's rejoicing. Elizabeth shouts for joy. Not only that, this is incredible. Even the baby inside her rejoices. Have a look there at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so Mary walks into the room, the baby leaped in her womb. And then in verse 44, Elizabeth adds, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What's happening here? Well, we have to remember who this baby is. He's, he's a prophet, John. He's the one who's going to come and tell everyone, Jesus is the saviour of the world. And we were told in verse 15, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. Only time we're ever told that about any baby in the whole Bible. And now John makes his first prophecy while he's still in the womb. Elizabeth has been feeling his kicks for weeks, but this one was different. No, this was a leap for joy at the coming of Christ. If we think that being a Christian is about dry duty, about grinding it out for a grumpy God, we've actually kind of missed it. We've missed what it's all about. It's not really all about what we do. It's about appreciating and enjoying what He's done for us. It's about wonder and worship. It's about song and dance. Australia was, was mesmerized when Prince Frederick married Mary the commoner. It was a beautiful story. Let us dare to believe that miracles do happen, that, that things could be different. But at Christmas time, we celebrate an even more miraculous story. It didn't happen 20 years ago. It happened about 2,000 years ago. We remember someone who left his royal palace in heaven to come and get us. Not because we were beautiful or clever or intelligent, important. No, we, we were ugly, proud, undeserving, selfish. But because his heart is so full of love and grace, the king gave up everything for us. The question, the question really now is, how will we respond? 
God is lifting up the humble and bringing down the proud. Will we be the humble or the proud? Will we snub our noses at him and continue telling ourselves that we're pretty good and we're, we're good enough, we're strong enough, we just have to keep believing in ourselves and keep working hard and keep filling our lives with everything we can that makes us happy? Or will we follow the example of Mary? Will we discover the relief of humbly admitting we are needy and undeserving? Will we give up being self-focused and self-reliant and discover the freedom that comes from focusing on God and His glory? Will we celebrate the coming of Jesus and experience joy and hope that can never be lost? If you, if you haven't humbled yourself and cried out to Jesus, I'd like to encourage you to do that today, this Christmas. If you've wandered from God, but you're sensing that He is calling you back again, don't wait. Jesus has come. He's done everything that is needed. He is humble. He is loving. His arms are wide open. Will you come? Let this Christmas be the best Christmas of your life. The Christmas when you join with Mary and with all God's people, singing, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful reminder of who you really are. You're so different to the other powerful, privileged, wealthy people who we see around us because you care about us, people who are struggling, people who are lost in our sins, people who need help, people who need someone to have our back because we can't do it on our own. Lord, we thank you that you chose Mary And that you sent Jesus through her to be the saviour of the world. Lord, for anyone here this morning who realises maybe they haven't been living for you, following you, maybe they are proud. Lord, I know I am so often. Lord, we want to humble ourselves again and come back to you and ask you to forgive us, to give us the joy that Mary had to save us, give us eternal life with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.